have no idea who this man is, and yet you call him scum. People like him are the reason Italian-Americans have such a bad image. I agree. Ask any American to describe an Italian-American in this country, invariably he's going to reference The Godfather, Goodfellas. Good movies. And the rest are going to mention pizza. Good movies to eat pizza by. Stop it, Jason. Dad, at this point in our cultural history, mob movies are our classic American cinema. Uh, like westerns. I have to agree there, Rich. You know, you never saw the Scotch-Irish pissing and moaning about always being portrayed as, as rustlers and gunslingers. Oh, that's absurd. See what you started with your gravy, Nana? You see what you started with your gravy, indeed. Welcome to Cut to Black, a Soprano sit-down. We're changing it up just a little bit as we... Uh, take a small little off-ramp before diving into season two, as this week we're discussing Goodfellas, of course, in relation to The Sopranos. I am Jim Scampoli. I'm Jacob Burrows, and it's been a long time since I saw Goodfellas. I have seen it, but it's it was kind of foggy, and uh, it was really a treat to get into it, especially after uh, getting to know some of these actors through the Sopranos, because I don't even know at this point how many overlap. I did look it up, and uh, although since you're you're only technically one season in, for people that don't know, Jacob Burrows is watching the Sopranos for the first time, so it's even more hurtful for him to have to wait another week to start season two. But he's only yeah. season uh, one season in, and you're already seeing familiar faces. Uh, I believe there are 27 actors Holy that are shit. both in. The Sopranos and uh, Goodfellas. That's some movies just have three, you know, <laughs> actors at all. But this yeah. one has twenty-seven that are in both. And um, well, I did kind of look into some of the actors, and some of them said like, "This person's known from The Sopranos and from Goodfellas." And I was like, "Do I recognize that guy? I don't know." I'll Google his name and add Sopranos. Like, I'll just, I, I won't, I won't type anything more i don't want any spoilers but even just in the google search bar it added death yeah. to the end so i'm like okay so i know that character dies it's not really a spoiler but it's kind of like okay i'm not going to do any more digging so i'll let you filter uh the facts for me as usual yes i mean and one that i completely forgot and actually didn't make the connection uh until i was going through them and, and he's in season one is the rabbi the rabbi that calls Tony a golem, uh, a, a Frankenstein, he's actually Maury's wigs. Uh, you oh, know, Maury's right. wigs don't come off. Uh, yeah. What a great character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great character in both, even. Yes, um, exactly. So, and uh, it is the Goodfellas. I mean, uh, Goodfellas, by the way, it's in Swedish it's called Mafia Brother, which means Mafia Brothers for <laughs> some reason. I wish, uh, I wish that's I, what it was called in English, Mafia yeah. Bros. I mean, it was supposed to be called Wise Guy or Wise Guys, but apparently there was a movie and a TV show out at the same time with that name, so they changed it to Goodfellas. Uh, better, I mean, if it came out now, we would have called it Goodfellas here in Sweden too, but at the time it was like nobody... I guess people don't really necessarily get the name in English either, but yes. you, know, you have the poster, you have people in suits, you get it. Yeah, yeah, I don't... I mean, given I was very young when it came out... But I don't feel like it was a common term for like a mafioso or anything like that. But yeah, you see the poster, you see a dead man, you see some Italians in suits. How those Italians get suits? Clearly, they're in the mob, as the Sopran as the Melfi family have pointed out. 
uh, dragging the Italian, uh, these hardworking Italian Americans through the mud. Um, yeah. But first, let's just talk a little bit about the movie. Now, you said, uh, of course, it's been a while since you've seen it, and now you're seeing it in this new light through the Sopranos lens. But just in general, uh, what? Just a fucking legendary cinematic masterpiece, or what? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, hectic. I mean, I say this in a good way. I did read about a bit about the production and behind the scenes and about how Scorsese kind of saw it as work, like the speed and energy of the movie should reflect the speed at which these mobsters live their lives and kind of give you the sort of thrill of it as you're going. And obviously it portrays the life as very positive and also as very negative. Um, but even just in the way it's put together, uh, I think that's sort of the difference where today we make films or in the past, all all over the timeline, we've made films that are sort of, they're just uh, competently put together. And the reason Scorsese and people like him are magnificent is that he's actually had this in mind and made something that works uh, like where the, the film itself represents the core of what it's about, the way it's put together, not just the content of the film. Yeah, and I even I read one of the quotes from Scorsese because I mean obviously this movie has a ton of narration which is typically a no-no, right? Uh what what uh, what is your knowledge? What has your education taught you as far as like voiceover and narration? I mean, that's uh, I don't like everyone has an opinion on it. That's what I've learned. <laughs> like, <laughs> but there I don't I've never heard anyone of, as far as people teaching me uh to saying like, "Oh, if you use that it's bad." It's just an opinion people have and most more viewers than writers, I feel. Or writers will say, "Oh, don't do that. It's lazy." But I mean, it's not I mean, that's the thing as well. He said something about it being a punk sort of feeling of doing everything to the max, right? Or what was the quote? Yes, so, yes. It was like that and also kind of in the air of these guys who break the rules and kind of do whatever they want. It yeah. was just another representation of, I guess, the mob lifestyle or like the mafia, the mafioso. Yeah, you know, or punk rock or just, you know, going by the beat of your own drum. Um, because... Yeah, I mean, in this, uh, I think the narration's great because it's so fast and it's so much information coming at you. And, like, the way the dialogue is still kind of lowly below the narration, so you're picking up little things. And then even, like, I've seen this movie so many times, and you pick up, like, rewatching it, there's that scene where, uh, like, young Henry's, like, talking to Tutty about something. But in the background, you see all the guys trying on these yellow cardigans that they just stole. Mm -hmm. And like they're all like they're picking them out of boxes and they're like holding them to their chest to check out the shirts and then they're all wearing them. And then when he walks outside to like go to a car, all the guys sitting outside are also wearing the yellow, yellow cardigans. <laughs> so they're right. all like really excited. Uh, just like, you know, so much information the way it's packed in and the way it jumps around. And then just thinking about the way the movie unfolds where there's not I mean the through line is obviously Henry's story but it just kind of will jump to thing to thing it's like okay you know Henry's a kid now he's older and causing more crime and then this is where he meets Karen uh but there's not like a particular through storyline it's just that Henry's a constant and we're going through all these different like little segues with him from you know uh this robbery to this robbery to this thing 
Yeah, I mean, first of all, it is so dense. Every single frame has so many things going on. <laughs> and um, at the same time, <laughs> as you said, it doesn't really, it's not like one story necessarily. It's like a bunch of small kind of connected stories and that gives it a sense of realism because otherwise it might be you know in the first act we have him entering the mob world and in the second oh he gets the heist he wanted but then things start going south and and all those things are in there it, it adds up but it it's refreshing that it just does whatever kind of where he goes to jail for a few years or prison and like getting to see all these different aspects uh, almost in a modular way of here and there in uh, mafia life, as it were. And I think just as a movie in general, at least to me, like the um, like the energy of the movie is really infectious. Uh, yeah. Like we, we were talking about uh, during the the finale discussion last week, we were talking about just in general what the show kind of means to you personally. And I was talking about like creativity, creatively, like it's like inspiring. And Goodfellas is like that. And it's more even like infectious where you watch it and you're like, I want to make something. I want to do something like this. I mean, and, and I'm not talking about the content of like Henry Hill shooting people and uh, d taking what he wants. I just mean... Just a just, little bit. Yeah, yeah, just a little bit. I just mean, like, the energy of the movie. Like, I believe Peter Jackson, um, like, making Lord of the Rings, he talked about how he would watch Goodfellas, like, regularly, and that would get him, like, kind of amped amped up, ready to go to Mordor or whatever the fuck, you know, <laughs> you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I think that's connected to what we were saying, that it's made with intent, and even though, like... It's it's you might call it sloppy because it does whatever it does kind of this and that, but it has still intent behind all of it because it's all in support of like the basic story or the, the basic feeling is all brought together by the way it's put together. And as as you said, like all the narration, some might say it's too much, but. You know, narration's bad when it's like, I came back later, and this place, oh, I didn't know what it was like. And you're just telling the same stuff that you're already seeing, but when you're adding narration and it's adding another dimension to it, and it's accelerating the whole story, making everything, ju like, jump back uh, five years, jump forward ten years, whatever, um, that's going to make you aware of the film as you're watching it and start like get you thinking about all the different things he's doing all the influences they're pulling from because it's a heck of a lot of different stuff coming together to make this yes probably a masterpiece and um with the narration and stuff uh what i was thinking about watching the movie it's interesting how i mean obviously not just goodfellas but goodfellas is probably one of the best examples is the way Sopranos uses uses it as shorthand for some of the stuff happening in the show. Like, you don't necessarily have to watch The Godfather or watch Goodfellas to get what's happening in The Sopranos, obviously, but I feel like with stuff like uh, Capos and Crews and some of the stuff they're doing with construction or, you know, getting involved in other people's businesses and obviously using it to their own gang, uh, gain, uh, with Goodfellas, it kind of explains some of that, and especially with the narration when they're talking about, you know, like where Henry Hill basically explains what the mob is, and it's like it's 
It's the police for wise guys. It's like for people that can't go to the cops, this is who you go to for protection. And then we see we see that play out. And of course, it, they give you protection and then they bleed you dry and then throw you away. Uh, but all that stuff really helps in the shorthand because we talked about in um, The Sopranos where they don't stop to try to explain to you this money they got from a guy they killed or this construction site they go to to shake down a union or whatever the fuck. And they don't need to, but I just like that it f- kind of fills in some of the blanks if you're curious. That's why it makes so much sense to do this between seasons um, because not only do they mention the show in or mention the movie in the show, I mean, um, like at the clip at the beginning, it's also, as you said, uh, when Karen asks him what what Henry Hill does for a living, he says he's a union rep. And given that and given all the stuff they do, all the stuff that's explained in voiceover, like, for example, like what happens when they take over a restaurant and he's like, oh, you know, we did it like this and like that. And then we had to burn the place down because of this. Um, and like you get all of that in like one minute of the movie. And um, yeah, as you said, it's kind of like you you assume that the viewer of The Sopranos has also seen Goodfellas or at least is culturally aware of it. Uh, and that's like it builds upon Goodfellas along with a whole host of other movies uh, when when Tony goes to a therapist because Henry Hill could not go to a therapist in this movie. It wouldn't make any sense. Uh, but that's why The Sopranos is also adding something new to the whole mob mythos. Yes, yes. And uh, I mean, back to like seeing, um, you know, some of the same actors. And it's like, you know, now when you watch, like if you watch Sopranos, and Paulie has such a small part, and he's in the background of a bunch of scenes. But to me, it's like, oh my god, there's Paulie! Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it's just him getting out of a car and closing a door, and maybe laughing in the background, like he doesn't really have a speaking role per se. He's in a yeah. lot of these flashbacks at the cab stand, like in Tuddy's crew. But it's still like super exciting now. Um, and then, of course, Lorraine Bracco um, as uh, as Karen. Uh, Henry's wife and she's great in the movie I mean I think I don't think she won but she was nominated for an Oscar and it's kind of it's the quintessential part because obviously these crime movies TV shows what have you they're they're male dominated usually for the most part so it is kind of a harder role to not make grading like you know they're like kind of like the idiots that respond to like Skyler on Breaking Bad um, and then I think there was even a little bit of that with Carmilla in Sopranos. Right. Yeah. Like, cause it's kind of like a thankless role where, I mean, at least with Sopranos and Goodfellas, they play with it more where Karen and Carmilla are more complicit in what's happening. Uh, but there's still that level of like, they're not really the conscience, but you know, they kind of will point out like we're we're the audience having fun with the main character who's kicking ass yeah. and loving life. And then this other person's like, hey, stop doing that. And we're like, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, go go away, mom. You're not the, our mom. Uh, that's what we say to the Karen and the Carmillas and the Skylers of the world. Uh, but yeah, as you said, it's kind of a 
a thankless role to be in. I believe she said that uh, she had to make herself indispensable to the movie. Like she really had to add something or she would have just been that flat character who's like, eh, what are you doing? And I mean, obviously she does. She does uh, a great performance and is not really recognizable from The Sopranos at all. And what's interesting, and I guess this is kind of old, but I didn't know this or maybe I just knew it and forgot it, but... I guess David Chase did originally want offered uh, Lorraine Bracco to be the Carmilla part, uh, the the wife of Tony Soprano, uh. and it's such a. But she was the one that's like, no, I've done that. I don't like. She even said after Goodfellas happened, she just got a ton of mob scripts. Like every mob script was sent to her yeah. agent, and it, and I guess initially it was even when the Sopranos showed up, it was like no. I don't want to do this. But then she read the script and really liked it. But then she kind of campaigned and put herself in the running for the Melfi, Melfi role. And uh, it's it's such a smart move, uh, obviously, yeah. I, I feel. Because I, I, Carmela is kind of mining the same the same type of uh, ground that the, the Karen role is. Because, you know, you see how it plays with it where... I kind of really like this lifestyle. And she even says like when, he, when the first time, if, if my friends were asked to hide a bloody gun, they would have like ran for the hills, but I was yeah. turned on by it. And I think that rings true. Like obviously not just for a, a woman, but even the reason why we like these movies as men, cause it's like a power fantasy. Like, yeah, some guy looks at me wrong. I'm going to fucking shoot him in the head and beat him up with my friends. And, uh, so, you know, you see that with Carmilla, you see that Carmilla has this, what can, what's going to happen to me and my family if something happens to Tony and uh, Tony takes advantage of me, but also I love that we have this great house and we could do whatever we want. So there's interesting stuff to mine there, but I do, I appreciate the fact that she had already done it and wanted something different. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, now she's probably... I mean, yeah, she's she's known for Goodfellas, but The Sopranos is a very huge sort of thing, uh, too, uh, as far as just volume, because she's this role. And yeah, she was a, uh, nominated for an Academy Award. But in The Sopranos, that's like years of quality work where we get to see her portray this character for such a long time. And I can imagine like after nine years of getting mob scripts, it's like, well, if I'm going to be in the mob show, at least make me not literally the same person as before, maybe, since yeah. I'm going to be this person for years. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, I mean, there's the famous shots in the Goodfellas. Uh, in Good the Goodfellas. Uh, in Goodfellas, uh, you got... I mean, there's the obvious, the Copa Cabana shot where it's, you know, the oneer that follows them through the back entrance and through the kitchen and all that. But, I mean, rewatching it, just thinking about it in general, like the camera's always moving and there's mm -hmm. like, there's a lot of shots that are like that. Maybe they're not as long or as elaborate. So that's why that one sticks out. Um, but, I mean, I'm not really breaking ground saying that Goodfellas is like a great piece of filmmaking, but oh my God, what a great piece of filmmaking. <laughs> sure. I mean, he did uh, mention that he wanted to use all the tricks of the new wave from around 1961. And my first reaction reading that was like, get the fuck out of here, Martin. This isn't, you're not making a French new wave film, okay? But then like, you know, thinking about it, the French new wave was kind of all about saying, fuck you. <laughs> I'm going to do what I want. 
and uh, that air is certainly in this because of the elements of the cat. Like, as you said, them going into the club, that's a famous one, but there's one where the camera's going around earlier and showing all the different mob people and listing their names, and they're all kind of saying hi to the camera, and that would feel out of place if this movie didn't do whatever the fuck it wanted, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, that would feel out of place in The Sopranos. Like, a lot of... A lot of people set their style almost in a limiting way where, you know, we've said in the, our discussion of The Sopranos, like, oh, what are they doing? This isn't like The Sopranos because they've already made us feel like what the style of the show is. And the style of this one is kind of like uh, doing like they're doing freeze frames or f freeze. Yeah, freeze frames on like still images here when his life is about to meet some sort of turning point. And they do that in The Sopranos, but in The Sopranos, we're like, the fuck are you doing? Uh, at least <laughs> yeah. some of the time. Yeah. Um, and here it's kind of like, yeah, of course. Of course you're doing this. And I do want you to call out real quick. Um, it's a different show. Uh, it's not The Sopranos I'm referencing here from Goodfellas. But there's a scene in Goodfellas where uh, what we learn about Karen Hill, I don't know her actual last name, um, but Karen Hill, we meet her parents. Her parents are Jewish. And there's that funny scene where he has to hide up his hide his crucifix when he comes to pick her up, and there's a lie that he's half Jewish, and he says, you know, just the good half. But there's a scene where after they're married, and Karen's up with her parents, and her parents are like bickering with her about how Henry's staying out all night, and I'm like, this is the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Who would have thought that Goodfellas? <laughs> uh, was there to set up the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel because that scene, you pluck it out of Goodfellas, put it in Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, it's exact. It's fitting. Yeah, that's pro that that's true. Uh, I recall that now that you mentioned it. Um, and then, uh, yeah, that's just a quick, quick, quick aside. But uh, the other thing with Goodfellas, obviously, is um, the it's more like the day-to-day uh, as far as like uh, the the mafia stuff, much in the way that The Sopranos is, and I haven't watched the Godfather movies in a long time, but uh, I, I do know it's kind of one of the things cited as like a big difference. And I think David Chase even mentions it himself, uh, where with Goodfellas, it's more kind of day to day crew stuff, and it's getting into how these psychopaths are like likable and funny. Uh, yes, because you want that he's intentionally or they're intentionally showing the how it becomes mundane for them. And he even says in voiceover that, uh, you know, the killing became just a secondhand thing. So then all of a sudden you're killing people over almost nothing because it's like it's so commonplace because it's like, uh, you know, just a thing you do. And and they're so insular. They don't talk to anyone from outside the, the crew. So so it becomes their version of normality. Uh, and that's uh, also what the movie's doing with us because we're in there and we, there's more time spent on them talking and bullshitting than actually murdering people. I, don't quote me on that. If you do the percentages, there's <laughs> quite a lot of murders as well. Um, but as you said, we're, we're getting to know them and it's a lot about the jargon back and forth uh, which I was surprised to read that some of it was based on like improv between the actors. Yeah. That they sat down and just improvised a bit and then that they just kind of wrote that and that the scene of, you know, one of probably, I don't know, more famous scenes or more influential scenes of Joe Pesci 
uh, like joking around and being funny and then suddenly asking, what, I'm a funny guy? What do you mean? And that whole scene, which is such a great exchange, and it just came from just sitting around and, and talking. Yeah. So that gives me hope for you and me, Jim, because we do a lot of sitting around and talking. Yeah, they said they would just record rehearsals and kind of let the actors kind of play out a thing. And then Scorsese would like pluck what he really liked and put it in the script and they'd kind of rework it. And yeah, like, obviously, the, uh, you know, funny how, like, I'm here to amuse you. That scene, it's one of, you know, it's uh, everyone knows that. It's one of those culturally, like, uh, huge scenes. And, but even like, when it plays out through the rest of it, because then we get Larry Boy from The Sopranos comes in. He's the owner of that bar. Uh, and, you know, that's where things, like, really escalate. Because it's such a perfect way to convey the information of, like, everything's fun. Even though he's telling a story about, like, telling a cop to go fuck his mother. But everyone thinks it's so funny. Uh, and then, but the way it plays out where everything gets tense with, you know, how am I funny you realize like, oh yeah, they're, pr- they're laughing so hard because yeah, this guy's entertaining and likable, but they're also putting on the laugh as well because they don't want to piss him off. And then we see that play out because they have the fake out when he's talking to Henry and it gets tense and then it's like, oh, he's just messing with them. But then when the, the owner of the bar is just trying to get paid for $7,000 in drinks in the 60s, <laughs> like, what's the fucking, uh, what's the inflation rate on that? Uh, he, like, smashes a thing on his head, and then everyone laughs harder. And I was watching the background. Even the people in the background that are just watching it, they're laughing. And it's just because, I mean, it's not that funny when you see someone get smashed in the head with a glass and they're hurt. It could be funny. Don't get me wrong. But uh, yeah. I just like that layer of fear that's kind of, you know, pushing the laughs further. And, you know, like we see in uh, in Sopranos, you know, there's that uh, cold open at the beginning of episode two. I mean, there's no violence there, but we get to see some mob guys just hanging out bullshitting. And there's side conversations and there's a lot of humor. And it's really funny just seeing these guys hanging out being guys, but then we're reminded that they're fucking monsters, you know? Yes, which puts, I guess, into perspective uh, Artie and his <laughs> point of view of we don't want this to be a mob place where there's a fine line between yeah. there's an extra bit of Italian spice in here and then all of a sudden someone owes you 7000 and they're never going to pay and they're going to smash a bottle over your head and he's a made man, so don't worry. Uh, you're never going to touch him. No one's ever going to do anything yeah. to help you. So this is just the world for you now, Artie. Well, and plus, like, the way that plays out, the best the best uh, option for that guy is to go to his boss and then just be taken advantage of in a way, like, in a way where it almost is like, was this planned? Because he has to go to Pauly and ask Pauly to, you know, uh, why am I spacing on Pesci's character's name uh, right now? It's Tommy. Tommy, yeah, to, to ask Tommy to calm down. And all that does is get it. He has to give up a piece of his place. And as we see, they just run up all the credit, uh, bleed the place dry, and then burn it down for insurance money. So that's how everything gets to play out for him. Um, But then there's the other scene. uh, It's such a fucking great scene when they're at uh, Tommy's mother's house after they've uh, got Billy Bats in their trunk. 
and she's you know an, an old Italian mother, so she wants them to sit down and have dinner. And you know everyone knows that the maybe everyone doesn't know, but the mother's played by Scorsese's actual mother. Um, um. And they're having dinner, and she shows her painting and stuff. And it's such a thing where you feel like you don't really need to have like you could cut this out of the movie. Well, not the whole scene, but this whole back and forth about the painting. But it's such a great moment of them like goofing and laughing about this guy they have in their trunk. And I do have a quick clip I want to play. It's actually from David Chase talking about Goodfellas and kind of that scene sp specifically. Okay, great. I mean, Goodfellas was a very important movie to me. Mm -hmm. And uh, Goodfellas really plowed that. I found that movie very funny mm -hmm. and brutal. Mm -hmm. And it felt very real. Mm -hmm. And yet, it was the first, I think it was, that was the mob. Of course, all of his work has been like that, but that was the first time he actually dealt with a mob crew. Mm -hmm. As opposed to, say, The Godfather, in which they're, they're, there's something operatic about it. And yes classical even the clothing and the cars and you know I mean I always think about Goodfellas when they go to the mother's house that night and they're eating and she, you know and she brings out her painting that stuff is great mm -hmm. I mean the Sopranos is only was learned learned a lot from that mm -hmm. so yeah like that's kind of you see it uh even in just season one uh here are the Sopranos you see that he's kind of mining that same type of territory, and it's kind of the most interesting stuff in a way. Like, obviously, the Goodfellas, obviously, The Godfather, is like a classic movie, but I don't know. It seems more interesting to to get the more mundane mixed in with this like hyper uh, gangster life, you know? Yes, and that scene in another movie might have been, you know, we're putting this in because it's important where the knife came from. And, you know, they play it up as it's very important that we uh, killed this made man. But it, I, I guess, yeah, it does come up because they killed Joe Pesci later. Uh, but, you know, it, it's not because of them going to his mother's house and having that meal first. Uh, the The point of it is not to, like... Oh, and this is the trail. This is the scene of the crime and what happened on that day. It's actually to show the mundane everydayness of it. And they managed to do that at the same time as they're going at a breakneck speed. I guess it's because that scene would be kind of boring if there wasn't a body in the trunk. It's this Hitchcock thing I always come back to where Hitchcock said, you know, if the audience knows there's a bomb under the table, uh, they're going to be on the edge of their seat, even if it's a boring conversation. Um, and in this case, we know that the guy in the trunk is alive. Granted, we know it's not going to be a daring escape for him because we've seen him get stabbed in the first minute of the movie. Um, but it still like adds a whole something to all this ordinary stuff going on. Because if you cut out all the violence from Goodfellas, it would still be funny, but it would not be tense. And it wouldn't really... I mean, that would be a stupid thing. Who would do that? Well, and also um, the way Henry is in that scene. Not to say that Henry is like a great guy or that much better than, say, Jimmy or Tommy. But, I mean, there's a reason why the mother comments, like, you know, you're not eating, you're not talking. Yeah. And maybe it is because, I, I mean, as we see as the movie folds out, he does turn on his friends. And it's not that that makes him a better person, but maybe he is just a little bit different where it's not just like, oh, hey, food, this is awesome, jokes. And, and the way they can crack a joke about how the guy in the painting looks like the dude they just killed. 
Yeah. Uh, and then, I mean, we also see that again when they have to dig up the body. Uh, another uh, you know, kind of reminiscent of when Christopher digs up uh, his his murder, you know, a few months later. And Henry's like puking and he can't believe it. And they're just like cracking jokes like, there's a leg. We got a wing. <laughs> uh, well, the thing is as well that in The Sopranos, he, I mean, Christopher says, right, that like, we got to, I got to dig it up before they build condominiums over there. <laughs> and that's the thing they say in Goodfellas. But in Goodfellas, it's like, yeah, they're, they're actually doing that. So you have to move the body. And in The Sopranos, you're, they're doing that uh, because he watched The Goodfellas too many times. Yeah, basically. And also, uh, it's a little bit. He's, as Tony says, he's got cowboy by ah, cowboyitis, and it's like when yeah. um, Henry's talking to Karen earlier in the movie. Like the only people that get pinched are people that want to get pinched. You know, the guy wanted to get away from his wife. That's why he went to jail. Uh, it's such a silly concept, and we see that that's not quite how things play out. But uh, yeah, <laughs> no, absolutely. And uh, I mean, and- he does go to jail and come out and everything. So. And the other thing, too, kind of in the same vein of that is um, when they do beat up Billy Bats. Well, I mean, beat up like that's kind of playing it down. But when they like kick the like beat him to death, basically, and they grab like uh, Tommy's grabbing the uh, like uh, tablecloths to to wrap him up. And he looks at Henry and he says, I didn't want to get blood on your floor. And then Henry has that reaction like dude do you realize like what we're doing right now like (laughs) settle down uh just little things like that and i mean i guess it it could be said that they have to do that because part partially henry hill is still our hero of the movie and it's his story so maybe they have to kind of vanilla him up a bit and make him seem like he's not as uh as much of a monster as some of the other guys uh, but I just like how there's just there's just little stuff. They don't try to hit you over the head with it and make it seem like he's a good guy. There's just a few things where he's not quite all right uh, with the you know with a body in the trunk that they have to go stash. Yeah, though I mean to be fair, I feel like uh, Tommy uh, is like on the extreme. Obviously, I mean he's a psychopath, and um, you know Polly Paul or Paul like the the boss guy. Um, He's obviously more in line with Henry and like more calm and reasonable. And that's sort of Henry's first boss and first influence. I mean, it's still his boss later, but he starts doing his own thing. And um, yeah, I guess that's, you know, it's weird that even I think most mobsters as well in this movie would like, yeah, they'd kill a guy and it's no big deal, but just you know Joe Pesci fucking he's so crazy man he brings it to 11 and yet nobody can do anything about it because he's one of the guys yeah yeah i guess you're right. it's like and uh i mean obviously the movies have to play up the murder and everything but i'm sure for most guys it's like you will go to murder if need be but it's not your first option i mean of course we could point to spider's scene uh, Christopher Maltesanti, a.k.a. Uh, Michael Imperioli, breakout role in Goodfellas as Spider, bringing the drinks. And one thing I kind of never picked up on for some reason is that Tommy does ask for a drink at the beginning of the scene, and Spider yeah. doesn't bring him a water. Like, <laughs> he asks for yeah. a water. Oh, so you're saying it, you know, it was justified <laughs> in the end. And it's such a great back and forth. It's like a weird Abbott and Costello bit with the way Spider is saying... No, no, I thought you said you're right, Spider. And he's like, no, you ain't all right, Spider. And he's like, no, no, I thought no, I you thought said... Like, you said you're all right, Spider. I'm all right, Spider. No, you ain't all right. 
Yeah, and then he dies, or he gets shot in the foot first, yep. which, I mean, how much of a coincidence is this, Jim? Was this, do you have another clip of David Chase like, well, you know, he got shot in the foot in Goodfellas, so we thought it would be hilarious <laughs> if he shot a guy in the foot in our show. Yeah. <laughs> like, a bit less deep, but still kind of interesting. Yes, for sure. It's it's. I mean, it's absolutely a uh, nice little callback, and I guess Spider's Revenge, if you will. When uh, when Christopher gets to be mad at the uh, the guy at the bakery or what have you, that's making him wait in line a little bit too long. Uh, and I think I was reading that um, uh, Joe Pesci actually said that was one of the hardest things for him to do, uh, just yeah. because he f- like kind of getting in that mindset. And I guess maybe to him, like if he's playing the part, he kind of ha- thought of Tommy has a- having a bit more humanity than that. Uh, yeah. But it's still I mean, great. Well, good. Go ahead. All right. I will. <laughs> it's still great because he's just like, uh, what do you want? I'm a good shot. When they're like, he's dead. And yeah. and it's not even that, that Jimmy's that that great of a dude. He's just annoyed that it's another body, like another thing to worry about. And he's like, you're digging the hole. I don't got any lime. You're doing it. And he's like, what, you think I've never dig- dug a hole before? Where are the shovels? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, as you said, first he seems like, oh, yeah, he's the reasonable one. But even when, like, fucking when when, when, when they do kill the made man and uh, Pesci comes back in and Henry goes to try to, like, calm him down or stop him. But uh, Jimmy, Robert De Niro, just kind of grabs hold of him and he's totally on board immediately. He's like, yeah, of course we're killing this guy. Uh because and I, I mean it's even like the 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 film doesn't really tell us until later that like no they could never become made men because they have this irish descent and that's kind of like that influences a lot of the movie even though they don't mention it until so much later really because that's why he would want to kill a made man as well not just because joe pesci's upset but because he wants to be that and he can't be that too uh so and and joe is like kind of beneath him like working for him in a way but he's also the closest thing to being one of those and and like when he's going to become a made man you'd think that he'd be super jealous maybe but no it's for him it's like all of them are getting made um so that that kind of sheds a bit of light on his point of view that's that i think that's a nice read on that too the way it is like when he's kicking the shit out of billy bats it's kind of a like a fuck you to the whole uh greaseball thing the way they break it down mm. it was real greaseball shit uh yeah and it is it's it is the way he just is right there as soon as he uh you know attacks uh, billy bats he's right there kicking him in the face and fucking going all in on it uh and and i do like the way Jimmy's character is because it's not that he, well, I guess he does come off more as like a level-headed smart guy. And of course, next to Tommy, who we see is just freaking out all the time. And of course with Billy bats, with spider, with whatever. And then towards the end of the movie though, we start to see how conniving uh, Jimmy is like when they have the Latanza heist, which, which is another great, choice they make because you could pr- make a whole movie on just the Latanza heist but in this movie I mean partially because it's Henry's story and he was kind of just like tangentially involved at least by his admission who knows uh, the truth to that 
it's just a thing that kind of they talk about. I mean, it's obviously has big repercussions with a lot of the characters because we see the fallout from that. But it's just a thing we hear about on the radio. And then Henry's all like in the in the shower, like so excited about it. But I, I just I feel like other movies would wedge that in more and have this big set piece uh, about the heist. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I'd watch that movie too. Yeah, but that's not this movie either. Uh, I mean, it's like they're. It's weird as well because the amount of effort they put into something is not always in like relative to how much they get out of it. Because of the first big heist that Henry plans, it's like, oh yeah, this is the guy. He's gonna give us the key. We're just gonna go in and pick up half a million dollars, and then it's like him giving the money to the boss and and like. That was less work than pinching a, a, a truck, which seems, you know, now as well, I have extra context uh, being reminded of this. Like, of course, you pinch trucks. That's like what you do on an average night. You just go out and grab a truck. So uh, I don't know what Junior was getting so upset about. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's just all part of the game. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I know it's not quite Sopranos related, but I mean, it's in Goodfellas. The whole... Uh, when he's being chased by helicopters, that whole segment is so fucking great. I know I'm get, stepping out on a limb here again, talking about great scenes in Goodfellas, but yeah. the way and and reading Scorsese's uh, take on it and how using the style again, like everything's really slick and stylish through the whole movie, and now that's starting to fall apart. Like it's the same stuff you've been seeing the whole movie, but now it's all jumbled and fucked up. Because we're in this mindset of a of a cokehead maniac that mm-hmm. is paranoid, but obviously rightfully paranoid, and yeah. it's uh, I don't know, it's just it's so well constructed, and the way it's using cinema to make you feel like that character. Yeah, and they build up the tension by just going into that amount of detail is going to make it tense. Even though, even if we believe that's just a random helicopter when they're still like he's saying yeah at this time i'm just doing this at that time i was doing that and like we have the time showing up on the screen like we know this is an important day even if it's the first time you're watching this and you don't know it ends with him getting pinched um but yeah you have those little graphics and everything and it's building tension and building and going faster and faster and cutting faster and i'm sure they cut it once and then like went back and like, okay, let's cut out even more so it's even more hectic of throwing you into the next shot and never standing still and always rambling the the plan and thoughts in your head. And he has the same amount of anxiety and speed talking about the drugs they're going to sell for millions of dollars as talking about the tomato sauce and everything because he's so tense and he's so like, this and this and that, and I have to do this and I have to do that. And like going to get a hat is like the big thing towards the end there. And and it and it all sort of goes to this, this speed where I'm surprised it doesn't end with, you know, the, the film rattling and shaking and like burning out on screen like the literal film and then like a projector sound stopping and then like the next day I was not feeling so well. Like I'm surprised that's not how they go because it's being torn apart at that point, the whole film. Yes, and you know what? Now talking through it, I realized the connection to Sopranos. The way that whole segment slash day whatever ends it ends with you know he goes to pull out because they're going to go get the hat and uh the line he said and i want to tie it to 
Now, this isn't really a spoiler because the show we do is called Cut to Black. So we are understood that the Sopranos finale, the series finale, ends with a cut to black. And we understand there's debate around that, right? We can agree on that? Right. I don't know if I want to hear what you're about to say, though, to be honest. Well, no, but all, but, um, but this either way, I mean, do you understand that there's a discussion on what the cut to black means? Yeah. Like whether it means death or not, right? I don't I think mean, that's a spoiler. Nah, but if you say that it's because it's relating it to the scene with the guy with the gun, it's going to be like, well, now I know it's either death or a cop. Well, no, 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 no. There, uh, all I'm going to say is the way what his line says could maybe inform what, w- however you want to read that. Okay. It's just because he says, I thought I was dead, but I heard all the noise. I knew they were cops. Only cops talk that way. If it, would, if it would have been wise guys, I wouldn't have heard a thing. I would have been dead. Right. Now, I, right. I'm just, I know we're, we're teetering on the edge, but I feel yeah, like... Yeah, I, sh- I want to move on. I don't want to hear it, Jim. <laughs> I'm not, but uh, uh, that's the thing. I'm not going to go much more past that because, I mean, this okay, could here's be... How, here's how, how my mind, wor- mind works. It's like, okay, well, now I know. I don't really know, but now I assume, like, okay, so it's going to be either there's going to be silence and that's going to indicate that he was killed or there's going to be like sirens or some shit or just the the way someone says something is going to indicate that he wasn't killed and there's going to be debate over that. I'm not going to, I mean, I'll just let you know. I mean, we're at this point here over 10 years later, people are still arguing over what the cut to black means. Yeah. I'm just saying this could support one of the theories. It doesn't really make a statement on anything else besides the cut to black, where if you were to read this, given this is a whole different, this is a movie that had nothing to do with the people writing it, but we do know Mm -hmm. that the writer was a fan. So, I mean, let's just put a little footnote here and next year sometime, let's maybe bring this back up when we have our own points of view on what it means. Okay. Um, So we, is that fair? Did I ruin anything for you? Do do you think I went too far there or? (laughs) No, not really. No. Okay. I'm just hypersensitive because even just trying to, I just look up an actor and they're like, <laughs> I try type the name of an actor is like died in season five of The Sopranos. Like, no, no, no. I just wanted to fuck. Like, literally, I I will type an actor or an an. I, I guess I'm stupid to type the name of a character, but fucking YouTube will put like a clip with a thumbnail and oh, a yeah. title. Yeah. And I don't blame someone for putting it on YouTube. Yeah. But I just type the name of the character. Don't show me his death scene the first thing you do, okay? Yeah. So that's why I'm just like, everything, I'm just like, nope, do, not doing this, not doing that. So, so I was pu- usually pushing against Google, but I pushed against you there. But I I, I, I trust you, Jim. You would never do something uh, like that. So Yeah, Sorry. well, and I think the good thing about that, uh, it's it's just, like I said, it's the title of the show, and it's an open argument, so it still can be read a- either way. It's just yeah. something, if we're talking about it now, it's something we may m- want to revisit uh, depending on where we land uh, at that point. And yeah, you're not blaming the person who put that video up. You're just blaming the algorithm. The algorithm shouldn't be giving you that first. Come on now. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, we have gone over basically the plot and the style of the movie. I mean, there's so many little details that we're not going to dive into because we don't have time for it. Um, but is there anything more in specific that you want to go into um, before we round things off? Uh, I guess one other thing that should be called out, uh, obviously, the, the, the way they handle food. Because um, that's obviously a big thing we see carry over into the Sopranos. 
Uh, you know, there's that great scene when they're in prison and they're going over all the specifics on, you know, slicing the garlic so thin with a razor that it yeah. just dissolves in the sauce. And then um, the the guy making the sauce puts too many onions in the sauce. And he's like, oh, no, I don't put too many onions in the sauce. Nice little back and forth. And, you know, we're seeing them live like kings in prison. Uh, and also just other scenes where, you know, like we said, when he's mixing the sauce getting the gravy ready for uh, that dinner they're going to have before the big uh, drug deal. Um, and just throughout the whole the whole movie, and of course we see that in The Sopranos with the gabagool and the family dinners and the priest who loves to have the, the, the reheated ziti because the way the, the cheese kind of uh, is better when it's reheated. You know, it's just a nice little uh, kind of cliche Italian stuff to see carry over. Yeah, but isn't like I guess, uh, I guess not Swedes, but a lot of cultures are like all about food. Absolutely, right? but, yes. But uh, it's the specifics of the food, and like, there's no hungry priests here, <laughs> but there's definitely like, yeah, there's this feeling that like the making of the tomato sauce, and you always got to keep stirring it. It's like that part of the final day of him being a wise guy. Like you got to keep stirring it. You got to keep moving. It's like what the camera is doing. It's like what the film is doing. Um, so yeah, it all ties together. And of course, what like I want, oh, oh. I'm sorry to cut you off. Just one last thing on that. Um, yeah. And of course, like you said, doesn't really necessarily uh, have to be Italian, but it's just a great representation of family because yeah. it's, these are big family dinners, and you're sitting down. And Sopranos, of course, talks about two families, Goodfellas. Karen specifically says it's like he had two families when they're at the wedding. Uh, so it's a nice connective tissue for that. That's true. And food is a thing in writing that I think, uh, people forget about, like, because I mean, literally just because we can cut out the boring stuff and that would usually be considered like the, the cooking and cleaning and whatever of our lives. It's usually not like the, the main thing, but cooking and family is so tied together, uh, sometimes culturally, but I, I guess it depends. Like because food is something you eat together with other people, so no matter what culture it is, I think descriptions of that and description of the tradition behind it and the taste is something that we should all remember to put in our stories instead of just cutting past it. Absolutely. Good point. I also wanted to mention as an overall thing, I mean, Sopranos opens with Tony talking about feeling like he's come in at the end of something. And that's obviously like a huge part of the Sopranos of of the 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 real mob stuff is over now and now things are going to shit. And I mean this obviously first off this is depicting the period that is romanticized uh, because when he's a, a kid, all he wants to do is be a gangster, and we see the wise guys on the street, and it looks a lot um, like you know Tony's childhood in a way. Um, and at the same time, within this movie, towards the end, we see how everything's going to shit, and uh, obviously Henry at the start would be someone who would never break this code and rat out his friends, but we see how like the the, the psychopathy of the whole family means that he was gonna get killed one way or the other because they think he might do it and he would never have done it but because you're gonna kill him one way or the other he has to do it and like the way these things fall apart uh because of external factors but also internal factors uh like that's here it depicts the period from 55 to 80 i guess um but the sopranos in the 90s 
also has this feel of, well, now things are really falling apart. Um, so that's obviously something that's uh, pulled partly from here as well. Yes, for sure. It's almost like we're seeing, uh, and, and it, and the way Goodfellas points to, uh, it's kind of like when people are getting into drugs and how uh, like drugs affected it. Because from my understanding, with these, with the the mafia and stuff, that wasn't. It was maybe it was just an image thing, but they would like to present it as they weren't involved in that shit. Like they, yeah, we it just was, kill people. Yeah. It was just like running numbers and robbery and stuff like that. Like that's where they draw the line. And then when drugs start getting introduced, that gets somehow introduces longer sentences than murder, I guess, or maybe it's easier to get away with murder than to get, if you get caught with a bunch of drugs, I guess that kind of makes sense. Uh, and yeah, that ties in, like you said, with Sopranos, uh, where they, it's a little bit with drugs, but they talk about like the Rico statutes. And I think that kind of also is connected, uh, with like drug sentencing and putting up these, uh, stacking years against someone to get them to rat. And then of course, getting people to rat, increasing the paranoia in just the crews where you're right. It's like, why take a chance? Let's just uh, shoot this guy. And then the guy's like, well, no, you don't believe me, but I wouldn't do this, but you're going to kill me. So I have no choice. Yes. Uh, exactly. And I mean, I guess that that is interesting that like, they're like, oh, we would never do like, let people do drugs that would make things fall apart. But at the same time, the reason he's in such a speeded up state and the reason he gets caught is basically that he's fucking up because he's doing all these drugs. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's sort of uh, his sort of inspiration to Breaking Bad here as well, I feel. with I mean, I guess any drug dealing thing has similar stuff, but I can't help but think of that as well because people still debate the ending of Breaking Bad. Well, we won't mention what that is in case you haven't watched Breaking Bad, mm -hmm. dear listener, but I would recommend it. Uh, and it's a similar thing where people are also debating what happened at the end, uh, but however, it's super clear and the people debating it are stupid. Yeah, and... and um one of the great things about Goodfellas is the ending. Uh, I mean, I love the like the 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 fourth wall breaking like weird scene where he just gets up from the stand and he's talking to the audience yeah. and everyone around him is still like in court mode. But mm -hmm. then just the fact that like his bad ending is that he has to live like us. Mm -hmm. uh, he has to live in like a normal kind of boring suburb. And he can't even get good, you know, spaghetti and marinara. He got like egg noodles and ketchup. And he's got to live the rest of his life like a schnook. Um, and, you know, some people would, like idiots, would argue, uh, like, where is his comeuppance? We need to see his comeuppance. Like a lot of people, Scorsese, when he put out Wolf of Wall Street, it's a very similar in tone, but it's more about, you know, stock scumbags and how they rip people off. And they don't make the connection that we, the audience, we, we're supposed to be annoyed. We're supposed to be angry at him uh, for being a piece of shit and kind of getting away with it. And again, basically saying that our lives are his punishment. Uh, so it's just a great way to do that. And I'd always wondered why they had the Joe Pesci shooting at the uh, camera. Because, you know, back in the days as a lad when it wasn't just Wikipedia. But now, of course, everyone can look it up on Wikipedia. It's the ending to the movie The Great Train Robbery, the 1903 movie, where the character yeah. just shoots at the camera in the same way, the final shot there. Yes, yes. And that's not just some old movie. That's like 
I, I, I don't necessarily dislike it, but this is kind of like if someone did this in a movie and showed me for feedback, I'd be like, yeah, you're kind of show, you're showing your film school there. Like it's, you're kind of showing that, yeah, I also went to that lecture. And uh, yes, we all know about the great train robbery and he, he shoots at the end and it was such a revolutionary thing. For me, that's a reference that's so on the nose that it almost doesn't have the intended effect because it's like train robbery like are you talking about what uh but uh but at the same time i mean i guess the point is supposed to be that you're kind of um showing he's always going to be looking over his shoulder for that gunshot uh right is that the point of it? yes no that your scorsese has said that yeah it's basically yes he will forever be like running and looking over his shoulder and then i guess that as a meta reference because yeah i mean obviously it's what one of the first films or something like that uh or it's, you know obviously a huge uh film school thing i don't know it doesn't have that same reverence for me even though i consider myself like a film dude i don't go too into like like the, the the origins You're not into 1902 movies yeah <laughs> but uh i guess putting that more in perspective like say in a movie coming out in 1990 this is pre kevin smith this is pre quentin tarantino this is pre community yeah. uh yeah true is it like maybe a different stance of throwing that reference in where uh i mean obviously yeah like film nerds and film school people are like ah rolling their eyes maybe but i guess the grand majority aren't picking up what's happening there as far as the exact yeah. reference no it's it's true it's the thing we always say that like I I I think this is a cliche, but only because people weren't doing this at the time, and then everyone watched Goodfellas, and <laughs> like the the reason I'm that would annoy me is probably more related to Goodfellas and the influence that that has had, which is a positive thing, than it has to do with the great train robbery, you know. Um, and isn't it what like people got scared like when that happened? Everyone is is it like? When the train came at the screen, everyone's like, oh, my God, he's shooting us. <laughs> I think both of those things are kind of bullshit. Like, that, I don't think either of those are actually true. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, in a way, but it, it's shocking in the way where a jump cut is fucking shocking or, like, a train coming at you is going to be shocking even for you. If you're in a movie theater and that suddenly happens, uh, that's going to be shocking. It, I, I don't <laughs> think it was like, it's a real train, it's a real gun. It's like, it is the magic of cinema. That's yeah. what it does to everyone. Um, but I'm not 100% I'll, on it. I, I personally think it's kind of bullshit, though. Yeah, I, I'll never, like, I love the idea <laughs> of people running away from the train that comes at the screen. I'll never let go of that story. Uh, it's uh, it's perfect. I love the idea of just everyone being so scared because they don't understand what a screen is and what's happening. But, yeah, but that actual shot, the train isn't coming directly at the camera because yeah. you can't put the camera in front of the train. <laughs> yeah. It's even just passing it, kind of, and then people are getting off. So I guess you'd be hurrying to the other side of the cinema away from it, I guess. That would make sense. Um, speaking of uh, Hill, Henry Hill not getting his comeuppance and maybe not learning his lesson and we're supposed to be mad. I did like, I didn't know this, but I read that uh, Leota, who played him, met him in an undisclosed city and Hill, the real person, said he had seen the film and he told the actor that he loved it. So <laughs> kind of shows that, I don't know. I mean, the film doesn't paint him in the best light. And the, so I guess, I mean, it adds up if he... Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how to take that because mainly it romanticizes it, but then also it shows this bad side. But I feel most people watching it will just think, man, it's cool to be a gangster. And like, 
we see that in the Sopranos as well when people are talking about and kind of bragging about their family connections to the mob and everything and it's kind of cool and exciting but at the same time we look down on it and it is a really interesting thing and we're just starting to explore it now in season one of the Sopranos I mean our discussion of it how these people can be both uh despised and loved at the same time um i mean that's anything to do with an anti-hero i guess but it's more than that it's just the whole community of it the whole feeling and all the likable parts all the dislikable parts and when they all come together and makes someone who's a real bastard uh that's something we enjoy watching more than a good guy for some reason um and uh, i look forward to watching a number of more seasons of it yes yeah it should be noted that henry hill did pass away uh, in 2012 and he was kicked out of the um, witness protection program, um, partially for I think he was still getting involved in drugs. And I'd also I was reading stories that he was initially in Seattle and he would have big cookouts, but then he would get drunk and he'd start telling them that he was Henry Hill. <laughs> like, <laughs> he told them it, like his real, like he just couldn't help, uh, like having to say who he was. Like the, I guess that happened twice. And they were like, okay, you got to go. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, like you said, I think I, I, I think this is a nice, fun detour. I don't know what the audience thinks. You can let us know. Um, a little buffer before we get into seasons. And I'd like to check out some of the other, because I think there's an old, I mean, we'll talk about it. I mean, there, there's like an old gangster film that Tony watches, I believe, in season three. So that's maybe something we might want to dig out and yeah. dig up and go through and see what we got. And I'd, I would like to watch, like, as we get later in the seasons, it's not a mafia movie, but David Chase did make a movie with uh, with James Gandolfini um, after The Sopranos. Uh, so I'd like to maybe take a look at that. There's a few things. And, of course, we get The Sopranos prequel movie on the way. So let's get that timing right uh, yes, David Chase. And I mean, of course, we also want to uh, probably watch um, Godfather, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes, we'll have yep. to watch The Godfather as well. But um, please do, I mean, let us know if you appreciate us taking this little detour, if you want, if you have any other influences that you think will influence our view of The Sopranos, because that's really what this is. It isn't just about taking a break. As Jim said, and it's not a joke, I was like, I don't get to watch The Sopranos this week. Uh, but at the same time, I have a friend who never watched Game of Thrones, and I always told him, you gotta watch Game of Thrones. And then when all the seasons, I mean up to now, were out, he watched all of them in one go, and he did the same with Breaking Bad, and I was so fucking annoyed. <laughs> like, he never had to wait for any of it. Yeah. So this is just a tiny little thing, but I do get the sort of, I get the block between seasons, so this is even more making it not a binge for me. I am going kind of at a traditional pace and i'm not gonna be upset about missing a week i'm gonna feel lucky that it's all there for me to enjoy and i'll keep enjoying it and next week we'll be back with our discussion of the first episode of season two yes and there's one thing i do want to point out and say is um excuse me i was listening to a youtube playlist of sopranos music mm -hmm. and then i started hearing songs and it was reminding me of stuff and, dude, I didn't even realize how we have not even scratched the surface of The Sopranos. I'm so oh. excited for the stuff we get to experience and specifically for you to experience for the first time. Because let me just say, there is a lot to get to. 
and uh, it's going to be awesome. Great. Okay. Well, we have that to look forward to. Until next time, do tweet at us at shows what you know. That's the letter U for you. And um, uh, you can follow us there and see when we're doing live streams. We are currently going live every Sunday um, at about noon LA time. That's about nine Swedish time. Tweet at us and we'll let you know what the exact time is in your time zone. Uh, you can also see the live streams um, archived on our YouTube. That's youtube.com slash shows what you know. That's shows what you know spelled out. And of course, everything is available at showswhatyouknow.com, where we also discuss other television shows, such as the upcoming Westworld season, where we will also be going week to week talking about each episode, uh, because Westworld was one of our first big shows that we went into when we started Shows What You Know, and we're now excited to see it come back. So we'll be giving you a full range of uh, offers here at the Shows What You Know uh, television podcast network. I'm mm -hmm. starting to think of us as a network, Jim. I don't know how you feel about that. I think you're nailing it. We are a network, and and mm -hmm. you can even like if you do change the channel from the shows which you know network, you can actually just still keep it in the family family yeah. by uh, finding more of Jacob Burrows at awesomepedia.org uh, and also awesomepedia on YouTube uh, where there is a uh, great Game of Thrones video and maybe some uh, new stuff on the horizon. Uh, also, you can find more from me at JimandThem.com and Jim and Them on YouTube. Absolutely. And, I mean, until next time, there is just one more thing we got to say. What's that? Cut to black. <laughs>